mean, the NFL season is officially in the books, and I don't know about you guys, but I think personally, it's one of the most exciting week 18s I've ever seen in NFL history. Um, the it best, really, the best. It probably was the best. I, I, I don't like to be hyperbolic, but for, for my money, probably the best week 18 season or week I've ever seen, ever seen. It really had it all, came down to that game last night, which is how we're going to start off this podcast, because... What an end of the season. Um, it was kind of almost almost like it was willed all week long. Where it was a huge story that if the Jaguars won, uh, all the Raiders and Chargers had to do is tie, and both the Chargers and the Raiders would have made it. Well, the NFL being rigged as it was, that game went all the way to overtime and came down to the very last few seconds... Raiders end up drilling the field goal, by the way, with a kicker that the Vikings drafted and inevitably dropped, who actually has turned into a damn fine kicker in this league, of course. Uh, but what a wild fucking game that was, folks. I mean, what thoughts? Thoughts? I mean, we got a Steelers fan on the podcast. What were you, what are your thoughts, Marcus? Honestly, like week 17 was like in amazing like everything like so many variables that were going into that like so many different outcomes so i i definitely thought that week 18 would be kind of not like a letdown but not as exciting with like everyone getting eliminated all that um obviously i'm gonna have some bias towards like how excited i was like from one o'clock kickoff to the end of the night incredible and like every scenario that you thought couldn't happen during that game it was it was just happening i was had to i was gonna quit drinking but of course i had to start having some beers watching that just laughing at like the improbable odds of like everyone tying and uh the nfl came up just how the nfl drew it up chargers converting like 18 fourth downs like fourth and 29 cool what's gonna touch down like as a football fan if you weren't invested like i was just just knowing football how fucking exciting like we got it Dude, they, best they, game? Best they game went the for it, they went for it on fourth down like seven or eight times and got it like all but one. It was incredible to watch. Just the way the way that Justin Herbert played that game, like running all over the field, making all these throws. Like he was outstanding in that game. The Chargers, like the whole game was up and down, back and forth. Just like it, it was hilarious to watch. And then as it got closer and closer toward the end. And we get the tie, or we get the, the tie to send it into overtime, right? At the very end of the at the very end of the game. And then we get into overtime and it goes back and forth. Both teams kick a field goal. And now it's like all we have to do is let the clock run out. The entire Twitter like football universe is just like rooting for a tie. <laughs> Which is normally football fans, you don't want to see ties. We hate ties, right? That's what right. we always say. But except for this scenario, everyone was rooting for the tie. It was absolutely hilarious. So, like, for you guys, like, other than just being fans watching that game, like, wasn't it kind of, like, cool to, like, the Raiders kind of, like, offered, like, a parting gift, which you wouldn't expect, and then the Chargers like, no. And then the Raiders were like, you know what? Fuck you. You're done. Like, just drive the throat in there. Like, it was it was everything you could hope for, especially, like, the last game of the season. Like, what could we possibly ask for for more? So you're talking about an overtime when Staley called the timeout? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it, yeah. The, the clock's ticking down. I'm like, oh, they're right outside of field goal range. Fuck. Like, you, no one's taking a chance here. Why would you? Like, why would you? Then they yeah. break the run. I'm like, oh. He, he took the timeout, which theoretically would have forced him to punt the ball if they would have um, stopped them on third down. 
they didn't stop him on third down, yeah. so it doesn't force him to punt the ball. All you do is make like give him more incentive to kick the kick the field goal at that point. Like all you had to do is let the clock run out. Uh, probably the worst timeout call in Chargers history. I don't know. Oh man, I'm sure there's worse. You could probably look at <laughs> any of Anthony Lynn's games from last year and just see a worse timeout. I'm sure. There I mean, is. Which, also North way, North Turner had a a run there in San Diego. So, which by the way, Anthony Lynn got fired uh, yesterday. I think too. Last yeah. night. I mean, Anthony Lynn at the end of his tenure with the Lions wasn't even calling plays. That's how bad that guy is. Yeah. But, yeah, incredible game, incredible finish. Uh, this is, I mean, you know, I, I was a big doubter of the 17-week season. I still don't know if it's necessary, kind of like what Brady said. But one year in, we've seen we've seen a bunch of records already get broken. Uh, we'll go over exactly what records did get break, broken in a little bit, but... What a wild game. And, uh, yeah, Eckler after the game mouthing to, I don't remember who it was. Uh, but it looked like a long snapper, straight yeah. up. Basically asked, yeah, 47. It looked like definitely looked like a long snapper. Asked him, were you guys going to kneel it? And he mouthed, yeah. So that's that's Eckler just like, oh, fuck, man. Also, Justin Herbert was like, I've never wanted to tie so much in my life. Yeah, you know, the <laughs> um, so the Raiders interim coach is real quick. Because he, he said, yeah, we were going to. Rich Basaccia. Yeah, yeah but for, he's like, yeah. We were going to, and then they said, fuck you. So we gave him the big fuck you. We went for the win after that. Like, we tried. But, like, he has to, he, the Raiders have to offer him the job, right? Maybe? We'll, I mean, we'll talk about it later. I think that there's there's definitely, there's something to be said about having an adult in the room, which is kind of what he does. And, uh, I mean, if you look at another team that kind of outplayed their expectations this year, um, the Houston, Houston Texans, right? They had... Say what you will about David Culley. He's an adult in the room, right? He's been in the NFL for a long time. He understands what's going on. Like, didn't let that team, like, lose its composure or anything like that at any points. Whereas some other teams definitely did. And you can see the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And Justin Herbert, man, what what a freak. The, the guy goes over 5,000 yards in his second year. I think a lot of people were expecting a, a, a sophomore slump, except for this guy. I said he'd be better. He sh- sure enough, he was. 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns. Had a little bit of an interception problem this year, but this is a team that kind of had to force it, you know, for a lot of this season. The defense is so bad. It's so fucking bad. I mean, again, to finish off the year, they give up over 30 points. Um, they got to do something about in the offseason. But my question for you guys is, is Staley too aggressive? I mean, we saw it last night. We've seen it. We've seen them lose games uh, by going for it. Too much, uh, going for two, uh, are analytics getting too much in Staley's head, and should should he be that guy? Live by the sword, die by the sword. I would much rather go out being aggressive. Sorry. that's It's it's the game of football. The I mean, if you take football down to its very root and very core, the what football is is moving another man against his own will, right? So if... Why not be aggressive? If that's the if that's the mindset you need to have, I, b- I believe a, an aggressive mindset should be in the place for the head coach as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you're talking to a, to a guy that watches Tomlin punt by down by sixteen with three minutes left in the game, like, and he tried doing the same shit again this weekend. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather the question of man, did we be be too aggressive? Fuck up a million miles an hour. Just fuck up that way instead of like maybe we'll concede it a little bit and hope for the best. No, like, it's uh, like D.L. Hughley said, you know, he's like, I, I, sorry, I wish versus I hope. Like, I, 
there's people that are like, I hope they don't take my seat if I leave in the movie theater. Yeah. And then there's the people that say, I wish a motherfucker would take my seat when I leave it when I go to get popcorn in the movie theater. Yeah. So I just I mean, calculated it. I, Justin Herbert in two seasons already has what Dan Fouts had going into his sixth year with the, with the Chargers. I mean, I know it's a little bit skewed because of uh, the, the errors that they played in, but almost 10,000 yards in two seasons. Uh, this, guy's, this guy's ridiculous. And I agree with you guys. Staley, dude, as a fan, for me personally, I remember Mike Tice went forward on, on, on two uh, many years ago at a game I was at in New Orleans, and we, we got it. Um, and me and my dad were just kind of thinking, you know what? Fuck it. If we wouldn't have gotten that, would we have been mad at Mike Tice? No. I, dude, win the game. Yeah. You play to win the game. Yeah. Now, remember, same shit with Cleveland. They had like five fourth down conversions, and like four of them were like very unconventional. Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you, for right or wrong, however you want to judge it, if you have to respect the consistency, like, like we're, we're here it's, to win. We're not I mean, here to not lose. It, I agree. It, they say in life, you know what I mean? Like, you can't just wait for opportunity to happen and then not take advantage of it, right? So, like, you have the opportunity to go forward on fourth down and maintain possession, right? Going forward on fourth down is just taking that opportunity, right? Now, whether you take it to, you know, sometimes it goes wrong, that happens, but if you don't take it, then you're just left wondering, what if we did? I, I can guarantee you that every Giants fan that watched two quarterback sneaks inside of their 10, second and third down, they're like, I do yeah. anything but the fucking quarterback sneak and give it up. Like, that's that was bad. Oh, I mean, look at the slew of firings. You know, what? so many people got fired because they were too conservative. Uh, I, As a fan, I, I agree with you. I think Staley's the right guy. Um, I, I think the Chargers somehow got worse this year, um, and I don't think they really even understood how much worse uh, until it kind of got in the middle of the season. I mean, they looked great coming out of the gates, but that's secondary. I mean, they wouldn't have done anything in the playoffs anyways. Maybe this is a good thing for him long-term, but I, I truly believe Staley is the right guy. I think he's smart enough to not let this get in his head and to come back next year and just do the same thing with a better roster. Yeah. I mean, that's a team that has very defined weaknesses, right? Like, we know that they can't stop the run. So that's pretty easy to address. You know what I mean? Like, go draft and acquire some guys to plug the middle of that defense, and then the rest of the defense will play better. Well, But you, but you also have to imagine, like, like whatever, like like analytics that are getting in, like the the weakness of that defense, like not being able to like consistently stop anyone. I think that has to be factored into it, right? Like if you're not going to stop it, well, cool. If we're going to get oh, absolutely, up, let's just keep the ball in our future and NFL MVP's hands. Like. Yeah, absolutely. And for too long, you know, different decisions were just governed by this is how things were done. Yeah. Go by the numbers. I mean, analytics it, it took over baseball. You know, a lot of people don't agree when. A, you take out a pitcher, you know, at the end of the game to face a lefty versus a lefty, and it shows time and time again over time that that is the good decision, and that's why you do it because it's based on numbers, not on feelings and on tradition. And I like the way that the NFL is evolving. And you see even guys like John Harbaugh, a total traditional, you know, conservative coach uh, in the past who has embraced analytics this year. And why did John Harbaugh embrace analytics? Because I think he knew that the the Ravens kind of sucked this year. Um, And this is the future of the NFL, and it makes it more exciting, first of all. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I mean, would you rather see an overtime uh, game that's very much still determined by coin flip? I don't care what the the rules have changed about that. If you get the ball in the first possession, you got a guy like Herbert or Mahomes, you're probably going to win the game. Um, 
I, I think if you can take it out of their hands, two-point conversion, you know, go, going forward on fourth one to, to, to win the game in regulation, like, you got to do it. Uh, so I, I think analytics are a good thing, and I think that the, the coaches that embrace it over time, uh, it's going to pay dividends long-term. The numbers are there. The numbers are there for a reason. Well, it's just kind of like the game's always evolving, right? And the guys, like the coaches, the players, like the people that adapt, either they're, the way they study, the way they train – uh, you see with Brady, like everyone adapts, like as it goes, those are the guys that continue to like have longevity. Those are the guys that are successful over a long period of time. Right. You know, you have, you have to adapt with it. We've, we see it in our world, like with every single thing, adapt with what's going on. It's just, it's just that easy. <clears throat> yeah. And so long-term, I think, you know, uh, Raiders got to hand it to him. Jeez, what a dysfunctional year for them. Uh, your coach gets fired out as a racist slash homophobe. Uh, they bring in this interim guy, uh, your first round pick from a year ago, kill somebody in, in a fiery car crash. I, everything went wrong for this team. You got a fucking hand to the Raiders. I mean, they're, they're in the playoffs next week. Uh, they play the Bengals, a, a winnable game. I mean, you, if you think about Burrow, who's nicked up, uh, Bengals have been struggling with, uh, COVID injuries or, or COVID, you know, diagnosis, who knows how that's going to affect them. Short term, I mean, sometimes it can it can lead to like heart issues, breathing problems. So who knows? I mean, the Raiders just won an emotional game. They're rolling into the playoffs. They're playing the Bengals, who could be cold. Who knows? I'm you know not to jump the gun because I mean we we've said it time and time again like how inconsistent the Raiders are. But yeah, you have to applaud unimaginable what they've overcome this year, right? But I love them at plus six. Like I kind of really like them to like win it straight out. You know, just. Just riding that emotion factor. Hey, guys, we're not fucking supposed to be here. Let's go do it one more time. And if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure the Bengals put a thumping on them earlier this year in Cincinnati. Um, could, there, there's a lot of motivation there, man. I yeah, I mean, Max Crosby is a hell of a head rusher, and they can put some pressure on. I mean, 32-13. The, the Bengals' um, offensive line has some question marks. So if you can find a way to get to Burrow, especially if he's dinged up, I mean, absolutely, that's... It's definitely a winnable game. I'm not saying they're going to win, but it's definitely not with it's it's within the realm of possibility for sure. Is there any chance that this interim coach for the Raiders could he become the coach? Because I, if you look at Mark Davis, he's definitely a guy that would say, "Yeah, you're, I mean, if you brought us to the playoffs, fuck it, you're the guy." I, if there's anyone that's going to hire just a random, maybe unqualified uh, interim coach, it's going to be Mark Davis. So, I mean, here's the thing: what do they do with Mike Mayock? Right? Um, if you're going, gotta fire him. If you're if you're going to keep Mike Mayock, if you're going to go with some consistency, hey, wait, we just this team just went to the playoffs. Maybe we give it another, we run it back one more year, see what happens, kind of thing. Just leave the leave, you know, Rich Passacci in place. Maybe that actually helps your culture and moves and you move forward. Um, and then if it goes horribly wrong, you can fire them both next year with a completely clean slate. Whereas if you're leaning to keep one or one or the other either way, and then you hire a new coach or you hire a new GM. Uh, then it becomes a much messier situa- situation. So I think there's a good chance that we see them run it back. I, I, I know I don't think I'm off in this statement, but I could be. So I'm, I'm torn. So like obviously, like we're in the fucking playoffs. Like seven and five is not all that spectacular. But if you weigh in, you know all the other factors. Imp- nothing short of impressive. I th- for me, if they win, if they go and win a, this playoff game. It's an absolute. You can't even interview anyone else. Give them to your deal or something. You know, give them something. You know, if they if they go in and they're 
they play like shit or get blown out, then at least the interview process has to be open at that time. But if they go and want a fucking playoff game on the road, how do you how do you even bring it? Like, how how do you option anyone else in? The thing is, the Raiders are are a very splashy team, so they like the splash. There is uh, John Harbor uh, Jim Harbaugh rumors out there. He did work for the Raiders at one time uh, a few years back, so. You know, there's some, you know, they know each other. He knows the culture there. He knows what they're trying to establish in terms of the Raider way. Also, he's the Michigan man and all that other stuff that he brings to the table. Um, And he is a name that is well-respected in the NFL circles. So, I mean, they could bring in a guy like that. Uh, They tend to go for flashy hires. Um, Obviously, Gruden was, you know, flashy. But we well, see how that works out. The, the Raiders always do something to like really fuck everyone up, especially like when talking about the draft, like Jacoby Ford first round, Darius Hayward Bay first round. Uh, if if they're if Henry Ruggs first yeah, round, if if the well, first receiver in that round too. If if the Raiders go and win this game, and obviously big if whatever, and um, they have a different head coach, it'll be the second biggest travesty of new c- coaching changes going on this year, which we're going to touch on later. I'm already getting kind of amped up, getting ready for it. A little but, worked up yeah. over it. Hell yeah. Weirdest, weirdest stat line of the game. Shout out to my boy Hunter Renfro. Unit. Listen to this shit. Four receptions, 13 yards, two touchdowns. One of his receptions was for 12 yards. How does that even make sense? Four receptions, 13 yards, Two touchdowns and one of his receptions for twelve well, yards. Like, I think what? I think he had a couple uh, a couple of receptions that were for negative yards. Oh yeah, they, they lost yardage on it because they were like screens and stuff. So that that's how it's. But it's an incredible line. It really two is. two touchdowns. <laughs> like what? It's 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 kind of like flirting with like every time uh, Jalen Waddle has like thirteen catches for nineteen yards and one touchdown. But still, you know, now we're on the Raiders. The best ever stat line i'll never forget uh steelers raiders drum bettis i think it was either five or six carries for one yard and three touchdowns i remember that how the fuck do you do that (laughs) and like week three of the season he had more carry or he had more uh touchdowns than than he had yards it's it's impressive yep incredible and what hunter renfro uh i think he caught the the touchdown at the end of regular regulation right did he um well no uh he he taught to give him the lead and then the chargers actually tied it up yep Um, Hunter, Hunter Renfro, the guy that nobody believed in, uh, he kind of he kind of just personifies this team. You know, he a, a thousand yard year, sneaky year. He's a target monster. Uh, the guy's good. He's a really, really good, good player. He's a yep. really good player. Um, so, I mean, how we got to that point where the Chargers game meant so much? <laughs> it all started at the one o'clock slate with the Colts' absolute choke job against the Jacksonville Jaguars, like. No, no Urban Meyer, no James Robinson, no Carlos Hyde. Uh, this team's been drugged through the mud, dinged up. Their fans dressed like clowns for the for the game, like it just stormed the stadium. Um, you know, say what you want, but for me, I think the and I was I'm all about it, but I think that was kind of like a turning point, right? So, like whatever drama shit that you have going on, if your team are like. Our fucking fans are going to dress like clowns and show up to us. How does that not like for whatever the reason is? That has to like motivate you at some point to be like fuck it, let's go play, let's whatever. In, like, in a game where your fans are dressed like clowns, the Colts were the ultimate clowns. Yes. I mean, it's it's the Colts. I I I just am about to just trash this fucking organization. They, I, I was talking earlier about terrible organizations that have already won the Super Bowl this millennium. 
And I, my, my list is the New York Giants, who just get worse and worse and worse. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, the Colts, who are just, they got two generational talents and luck and Peyton Manning, only managed one Super Bowl out of it. And then now they bring, they're the real clowns. I mean, Frank Reich, talk, and you want to talk about too conservative. Holy shit. Uh, there's a guy that's lost so many games this year being too conservative and just just making bonehead moves. And the dumbest thing I think the Colts did this year is they didn't even attempt, didn't even attempt to manage Carson Wentz's snap count to try and prevent that pick from turning into a first rounder. Which what, now, what were the two conditions? I think they had to seventy five percent of the of the of the overall offensive snaps. So there was multiple games that they were getting blown out, blown out. Or blowing or, the other or team or out. blowing them out, and yeah. they kept Carson Wentz in there. So this is just, Frank Reich's just one of these, he's the exact opposite of Staley. He's one of these traditional guys. No, fuck this first-round pick that we definitely need because we have some glaring weaknesses. Fuck, fuck this condition that everybody knows is out there. Carson Wentz is our quarterback. He's going to stay in the game. No, no attempt to even manage that. And it's, I'm sorry, He's a clown. Uh, this is such a talented team that definitely should have been in the playoffs. I mean, last week we said what a shame it would be if the Raiders and the Steelers made the playoffs over the Colts and the uh, well, well, Chargers. Over the Colts and the Chargers, who I, I really think are are better teams. Yeah, without a doubt. But fuck it, here we are. The teams they they won it. They're in, and uh, yeah, the AFC is wow. What an interesting slate. For the, for the playoffs so, next so, week. So after that game, uh, Fire Reich was trending on Twitter, um, and then people are just ripping the team shreds for... I mean, let's be real. Carson Wentz played awful in that game. They said it was probably his worst game ever as a professional, but kind of, it's been indicative of his whole season. He's not been good this year at all. Um, I, I just don't know that that's the guy you can move forward with. He had some flashes early on in the year, but you're right, man. Down, down the stretch at the end of the season... Horrendous. Even the the Pats game, which I think kind of turned their season mm-hmm. around. Uh, I, what did he throw for in that game against New England? He had like five fifty-seven passes. yards in the New England game, and they won it. Down the stretch, Carson Wentz was absolutely just awful, and he didn't. He wasn't the interception machine this year, but he shows that if he's not taking chances, he's not good. So, what do you want? Do, do you want the good? Carson Wentz, that can be horrible because he did a 27 touchdown, seven interceptions. That's the best ratio he's ever had in his career. But, like, what do you do about Carson Wentz? Because Give me Jameis Winston. Give me Jameis Winston. Yeah, he is. He's Jameis Winston without balls. Yeah, I'm, you know, I've watched Ben for the last fucking 20 years. Like, I've I've grown to, like, love and adapt. Like, it sucks when they they turn the ball over. But if they're out there fucking winning, like you take it, like you, you suck it up because great things happen, like great things that the like great plays that we remember. Like no one's gonna talk about Carson Wentz going twenty seven and seven, but we're all gonna still. You guys remember that play when uh, Jameis? I think it was the Saints broke like seven sacks through a hail mary to Mike Evans for like a forty yard completion just to midfield. Right, like that's the shit that we remember. And go down swinging. It goes yeah. back to the same thing with Staley. Go down swinging. And you know, for right or wrong, win or lose, at least you, at least you, you gave your shot, right? And uh, Trevor Lawrence had a, had a really good game. Uh, you know, not a great game. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's been a disappointment this season. I saw someone that compared his uh, rookie stats to Jamarcus Russell, and they're pretty similar, uh, which is pretty terrifying. Uh, Twelve interceptions, seventeen interceptions. 
I mean, sorry, 12 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. A really bad season, but carves it out with the win. They still get the number one overall pick. I mean, sky's the limit for the Jaguars, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a good situation. So, obviously, Urban Meyer was already fired as well. So, you're going to have a new head coach there. I don't think it's Daryl Bevel, uh, the interim there. I, we can just write that one right off right now. Um, but if you, it's got to be a pretty sweet situation for a coach to walk into, right? Uh, the only hampering was Trent Balky is still their GM. So, I mean, that's not a great, that's not great. Um, So, uh, sorry to interrupt. Did you guys see any of the clips from that game? So my brother was at it, right? Holy fuck. You guys didn't see it. So they, you know, like you do trivia, like they pull like a random person or whatever. And they do like, um, yeah, the the in-game. Yeah. So so they had this question and it was fucking amazing check it out so this they had this girl on there and they're asking a question and they're like a b or c she looks up she goes fire bulky the whole fucking stadium erupts <laughs> that was her answer was fire bulky wow how amazing That's- give give her give her her ice cream or whatever she was supposed to win oh man it was it's you your eyes go wide right there like that was probably the loud they blew out indy and that was probably the loudest cheer was I would have, I would have been like, oh, yeah. like it gives me chills, like kind of like the uncomfortable, like you see in a, something in a movie or show, like oh, it makes me feel awkward, but you love it. That was it. It was awesome. Yeah, they yeah. do need to fire him because they have the number one overall pick, and they'd be fools not to trade down, obviously, because the number one pick. They don't need pick, a quarterback. It's, it's going to be a quarterback. It's yeah. got to be a quarterback. It always will be. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it is a good situation, but you know, advantages. You got the draft capital. Capital. You got your future quarterback. Disadvantages, you're in Jacksonville and there's no actual Jaguars fans. And, and the roster's not very good. No. Outside of Trevor Lawrence, that roster's not good. So it's and, and including Trevor Lawrence, it's not very good. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I meant just right. Like he's the one piece that you have some you can guarantee that he's going to be there. Anyone else on that team, I don't know. You, you know, and I talk a lot of shit on him, but truthfully, this this is definitely the type of year he needs. Like I still don't think he's like the Messiah that he was made out to be, but it's a huge learning curve taking all those losses. You know, like he never had two or three losses his entire life. Like it's, that's important. So is this his Peyton Manning one in 15 season? There's, there's nothing wrong with like, it's a learning curve. Like you need it, right? I'm glad he made mistakes. I'm I'm, I'm glad he, I'm glad he made mistakes. I'm glad he didn't go down like a chump and have like a, like a tidy, 14 touchdown, seven interception. Yeah. Like, I'd much rather 10 touchdowns and, like, he took some chances. You need he it. He had Urban Meyer for, what, 11, 12 games. You can't judge Trevor Lawrence for what we saw on the field this year. Um, I feel bad for him because, I mean, if if you, if you've ever been to Jacksonville, there truly are no actual fans in Jacksonville. I think that's kind of a shit organization, and we're going to talk about Black Monday and kind of what coaching spots are out there. But I just, I, I don't know. It On paper, it's a great situation, but... The stink of Urban Meyer is still on that team. I think it's going to be there for a while. How, how long is the stink? How long did the stink stay on UF? I mean, that, that guy just he burns things to the ground, and and everybody's thinking about that when you're the new coach coming in there. You're the next guy to follow up Urban Meyer. It's going to be a shit show. But my favorite game of this week is the Lions. Yeah, going from the number one pick in next year's draft to the number two pick, and they don't need it. They don't need the number one pick because they don't. They say they're not drafting a quarterback. I I am certain that they will. But the Lions get it done, this hard-nosed team. And if you look DVOA-wise, DVOA-wise, they are like a middle-of-the-pack team this year. Like, they're not as bad as they are on paper. Like, Atlanta is the worst team DVOA. Uh, 
Lions, by a large margin. The Lions are actually fucking good. They were in so many games this year. Uh, they had a zero net point differential against the Vikings, including a win over and, the Vikings. And the Steelers combined. Yeah, and the Steelers <laughs> combined. Like, this is a team, they... they they did exactly what Dan Campbell set out to do. They beat the Packers the last game of the year. If you don't think that means anything to Detroit fans, you don't know anything about the NFC North. Uh, but I, my takeaway from this game is Jordan Love is fucking horrible. I just loved all the trick plays the Lions ran. That was so – it was just fun. You know what I mean? Like, what better way to end the season in a game that doesn't mean shit Go out and have some fun. Like, and they dial up a bunch of trick plays. They all work. They result in touchdowns. Like, well, remember that they had, uh, who the hell, who was it they were playing? They had like three fake punts or two fake punts. They were just pulling out all the stops. And you have to, like, I, we can't, uh, that was against the Rams. Yeah, the Rams. You can't, you can't say enough about Dan Campbell. But for me in that game, like, obviously it's a great statement at the end. But like the finish. Find a way to lose. Well, well, <laughs> the the finish of it, it was a pick six to kind of put it away there at the end. Yeah. That was huge. It was so indicative of both teams. Like this is what the Lions can be, just assholes, fighters. And once they get some more talent, they're going to be legitimate. I think then, they have some, some and, decent building blocks there for sure. But then Green Bay, what happens if Aaron Rodgers goes? Yeah. Like, uh, I'll tell you what happens if Aaron Rodgers goes. You have nothing, and they know that. They're, they got to make it good with Aaron Rodgers. And like I said in the previous podcast, the way you make it right with Aaron Rodgers is you tell him that he can go cut Jordan Love. Straight up. Because Jordan Love is fucking terrible. All he had to do, and and if you don't think the Packers were trying to parade him and make him look good so that they could potentially trade him in the offseason, you're wrong because they're going to do anything they can this offseason to mend the fences with Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love is horrible. Like, I, I have a feeling... They've kept 58% completion rating this year. He had a 68 quarterback rating, not QBR, 32 QBR. This guy is really, really bad. Uh, it was a horrible draft pick, and Aaron Rodgers was right. Aaron Rodgers was right about a lot of things. He was right about that. Uh, this guy's not a starter in the league. He barely, he didn't dress for a single game his first season, and he's not even a backup, I don't think. No. Big no. miss by the Packers. Big, that big, you you can't even, it's huge. They wanted him to play well. They wanted him to, to look good in just one game so that they could maybe get like a fifth round pick for him in the offseason. Yeah, just have any type of like hope in the future, like potentially. Like he's just, horrible. He's so, he's so bad. It was. He's horrible. So, so this is his second year, right? Yep. And I mean, hopefully the Packers for their case don't have to start him next year, right? So like. That's just a waste of a draft pick, too. It's a waste of a pick. It's a waste of trading up for a pick. Yeah. It's kind of like when Tampa traded up for a kicker a few years back. Like, get yes. the fuck out of here. S- still still probably the worst uh, m- maneuver in all in all of draft history. Forever. And I always have to think, <laughs> I think Jordan Love was the pick immediately after Justin Jefferson. Could you imagine if the Vikings didn't go wide receiver and, and the Packers ended up with Justin Jefferson, how terrifying the league would look right now? That would, that would not it be good. would be absolutely <laughs> horrifying. But... Of course, Packers will be Packers, uh, and let's move on to the next game. Pittsburgh beats Baltimore. Marcus, did you watch that game at all? No, I didn't. I, I don't watch Steelers games ever. <laughs> so Marcus is actually going to the Chiefs game this week. Obviously, all of Steeler Nation was looking at this game like it, it could potentially be Big Ben's last, but with them winning against uh, who Marcus anointed as the best quarterback in the league in Huntley, He's the um, best on the team, for sure. Best on the team, zero wins this year, and uh, didn't look good, that good last week, nor has he really looked good in any game outside of one. But 
he's better than Lamar Jackson, the former MVP. And I'm quoting Steelers fans right now. So is Josh Johnson, the guy that they pulled off of uh, the heap scrap to start a game this year, who also didn't win a game. Steelers fans will swear up and down that these guys are better than Lamar Jackson, despite the zero wins that they put on the board this year. But anyways, the Steelers get it done. Give it up, everybody. A round of applause for Mike Tomlin for pulling a horrible team to yep. the playoffs again. You did it, Mike Tomlin. Still still never it. had a losing season. Never, never a losing season. Goes to the playoffs with a really, really bad roster, really bad quarterback. But they did it. They got it done. The master motivator. And then after the game, I just loved how he went on. Uh, one of the players was doing an Instagram live in their locker room. They're dancing around. Yep. And Tomlin sees that they're, that they're live. And what does he do? He starts dancing in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a motivator. Master motivator. Yeah, ju- just so you guys remember that uh, Huntley uh, got Baltimore a one-point loss against Green Bay. Remember, don't forget those those games. Like they're, he they're did talented. Didn't he, didn't he win a game? I think he did actually win a game. Nope. No, no one did. Nobody has won a game for the Ravens except for Lamar Jackson. Won all nine of them. Well, he well he didn't. Uh, he actually didn't beat Pittsburgh again this year because we're built for them. We're built for that style. So Greg Roman has been fantastic. So it's not that like who's better or worse for me. It's the comparison of like like Lamar Jackson. He's an incredible talent. We know that. But if you have the right scheme and the right skill set, like you can be productive. Like the, those quarterbacks have been productive. Um, for the funniest part, we're watching the games, and uh, Jacksonville's fucking pouring it on in Indy. And I'm like, leave it to us. We have Jacksonville not only beating Indianapolis, they're thumping them, and we're getting we're getting dominated by Baltimore right now. Like, oh, come on. And then, obviously, everything that goes forward. But so, so many emotions. Like, I, def- I lost five, six, seven years of my life uh, yesterday. So, I guess I do have to run it back. Huntley, I guess, did beat the Bears. So, congrats, Huntley. Uh, that should get you an MVP trophy if, if you're a Yenzer. <laughs> <laughs> so, Huntley did win one game, but the Ravens, man, what a what a shitty season for the Ravens. I mean, if, what, what was it? I think so the many fantasy, injuries. The fantasy draft happened. A day later, the running back goes down. Then their backup running back goes down. Two all pro corners. Uh, two all pro corners. I mean, just decimated by injuries. Horrible offensive line. Maybe the worst offensive line in the entire league. Uh, they were showing um, in the buildup to whether or not Watt was going to get the the uh, the record. By the way, shout out to Watt. He did tie the record. He which should, it should have is that insane. Record, by the and way. that that record, I think, is going to be pummeled yeah. over the next couple of years because of the because of the seventeen game format. But Watt gets it done. But it, they've showed a video of who was it. There was there's a right tackle for the Ravens. Horrendous. Horrendous. It, they showed two plays, and guys literally just walked around him. It's like he didn't even touch him and went right to the quarterback. So I'm almost amazed he didn't break it, but I heard that the weather was just absolutely awful it for was, this game. So I couldn't, and we were, we, a bunch of us obviously texting back and forth. I was like, as a Steelers fan lifelong, couldn't have asked for like a better game. Final game against the Ravens, 35, like, raining, sloppy, like, it was disgusting out there. It was it was bad. Windy, like, perfect AFC North, like, playoff-type conditions, all that good stuff. Um, Watt definitely should, and I talk more shit on him than most people because I still, he's not, he's not the MVP for me because he still isn't in every play. Like, great sacks, like, he needed the record. Not but, the defensive player of the year. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not, not the defensive uh, MVP. Right. But, like, you know, great season and all that, but he... He did. He got shafted for sure. Uh, they're like in a five wide set, no receiver, no running backs, anything. 
Uh, low snap hits him in the legs. He pick, picks it up off the ground, and as he goes to like get up, Watt dives in and punches the ball out of him. But that's a strip sack fumble. So that one actually got started as a sack and got overturned to just a force fumble. Yeah. yeah. So he definitely got kind of shafted at that. So cool records or whatever. But you know, MVP, the defensive NFL MVP is always a different topic. For me, you have to break it to be in it. But like. You also have to be in more plays. Like, I don't care how many games you're in. He averages, like, four tackles a game. He's just not involved unless he's really Yeah, but, I mean, you also have to, for a pass rusher, you don't want to just look at sacks. You also want to look at their rush metrics. Out, out, outside metrics. outside of everything. Like, yeah. he's there's a lot of plays he's just not involved in. And you know, I, I can only praise Aaron Donald so much. Like, he wasn't even talked about much again this year. It's another 13 sacks as a D-tackle. Just he, he, and he, he's I, in a, he plays on a different planet. Yeah, in a ter- in an absolutely terrible game, but Noah Noah wins it against the worst team in the NFL. Uh, it, it didn't even really matter behind, behind Trevor Simeon. Yeah, behind Trevor. Well, Tr- Taysom Hill played a little bit of it, got hurt. So in the end, New Orleans wouldn't even have had uh, Taysom going in the playoffs, and Trevor Simeon's so fucking terrible. I mean, he looked good against Atlanta. Like, good for you, buddy. But. The Rams, if the Rams would have knocked off San Francisco, Nola would have made it. Yep. And the Rams, I believe, would have played Nola in the first round. Yes. Holy shit, what a huge loss for the Rams. We don't even really need to talk about this Nola game other than to say that, Arthur Smith, you will be brought to justice eventually for that chin of yours. I, Buddy, you got to do something. He, 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 he grew a rally beard earlier in the season. It wasn't great, but it was an improvement. At least we didn't have to look at the chin. Uh, that thing, you got to do something about it. No matter how much of an offensive mind you are, nobody's ever going to respect you with that neckline. We got to get a beard, buddy. Even if it's like implants or some plugs, we need to hide it. We need to hide that chin line if you ever want to be taken seriously as a coach. But the San Francisco Rams game, I mean, it's, it's become official. Kyle Shanahan needs to take a paternity test to determine whether or not he's actually Sean McVay's dad. Because this motherfucker owns McVay. McVay for for all of his genius, what? Is, is that six in a row? I think it's six I, in a I row think now. So, yeah. From Kyle Shanahan. And these are not good 49ers teams that he's losing to. Last last year, they were a train wreck. The Rams bring in all these ridiculous talents. Again this year, they bring in this all Madden team with these players that were so good years ago, plenty of all pros, and they still can't get it done twice. And I think the Rams are going to suffer huge for this in the playoffs. Uh, they dropped to the fourth seed. San Francisco gets in, though, and this team, man, it could be dangerous. They really could. man. Obviously, they've been battling the, the health for two years. We know that. But, like, when you're talking about playoffs, like, what do you want? You want a fucking team that's mean in the trenches on both sides. You want a physical defense. Like, Right now, it's not they, about stats. Who Fred, cares? Fred, Fred Warner is an absolute stud monster, in the middle there. Monster, like, um, and then just... They have an identity on offense. They're going to run the ball down your throats. There's a lot of teams that aren't able to stop them. Um, they've got great players on their secondary, and then they've got a bunch of stud like skill position players, like all up and down the skill roster between George Kittle and Debo Samuel and uh, Juwan Jennings comes out of nowhere and has a great day yesterday. Uh, I, I mean, dude, Debo is a freak. I mean, I you, you can't convince me he he's the best running back on this team. He's a ridiculously good wide receiver. Did he? Did he throw? 
pass? Yes, he had a he touchdown a pass, pass to Jawan Jennings. Like fucking touchdown pass. Like, this guy can do it all. This guy is, I mean, he he's always been great. He struggled with injuries through his career. But what a fucking Swiss Army knife you have in Debo Samuel. This is a guy that he went from a nobody this year in fantasy, Duke. He could easily be a first-round pick next year. I've definitely a second round pick in fantasy. Definitely. I've saw, so I'm going to actually pose two questions. We always like to talk like what ifs, hypotheticals, gets the brain going, like the juices, right? So Cordero Patterson was a one-year deal in Atlanta. Like, would he not be like a perfect fit kind of to compliment Debo? And like, what are the possibilities there in that offense with Shanahan? Ridiculous, because he's on a one-year $3 million deal. So, yeah, but Atlanta would be stupid to let him go anywhere. And he's, he, a free, he's a free agent. Yes, I understand. But his his best opportunity for playing time is going to continue to be in Atlanta. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. What if? Like, what are if the he wants to win? There? If he wants to actually win? Yeah, potentials I, there, I, right? You're saying in for, with the San Francisco. I don't know that two gadgety guys like that are good to have on the same team because you have to you have to kind of scheme for them. Yeah, I don't you have to you, scheme up the touches. They need. They need I mean, Ayuk's a great. He's a great wide receiver. He. I. I don't think. San Francisco needs really anybody a wide receiver at this point. Yeah, food for depth, thought, but depth. But that's about it. They that, need a secondary. Well, Their secondary is horrible. That that one yeah. kind of came in after. So, like the real like what if question. So, what if San Francisco makes a run under Jimmy G, wins a Super Bowl? What the fuck do you do? What do you do if you're the Niners? Like you just gave up your whole future for Trey Lance, and now you got Jimmy G not only well, winning that, a Super Bowl but getting you to a second Super Bowl. What what happens then? Kind of like I mean, if the Raiders win their playoff game, what do you do there? Trey Lance sucks. They yeah. still have Jimmy G under contract after next season, so they just would ex- would not instead of buy him out or trade him, they would just keep him. Yeah, just just let Jimmy G run out of his contract. Realize that you made a mistake in Trey Lance. Try to salvage whatever you can because Trey Lance, I'm telling you, that that guy's that guy's not going to be good. Yeah, he's not a good player. I think he but he can provide some depth for you. So like if. In your hypothetical scenario where they win the Super Bowl, yeah, just hi- just hypotheticals. Um, that does. I mean, you're not handing the ball to Trey Lance the next year, but you can continue to develop Trey Lance and hope that maybe in the future you can either turn him into an asset, uh, a trade asset, or you know he at least provides some depth. Because the thing about Jimmy G is he's perennially hurt, right? He's always hurt, so you need a guy to fill in uh, for those couple starts. And if you have Trey Lance and you can be like, all right, well, we're just going to run quarterback option and run power with him at quarterback, it's, at least it gives you something. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just a, like a, a wild predicament because earlier in this year, there was the rumblings of Jimmy G at Super Bowl or bust, or bust and you're gone, right? And and that was like when they had no even th- – like they were outside looking in the playoffs. Like they, didn't, they weren't going to be in the playoffs, like no legitimate chance, but like – if they do, it'd be it's fun to watch, fun to think about, because because then there's the whole question about why the fuck did we trade up when we had what we had? Why didn't we see it? It's, well, it's they have another n- a number of options. Assuming that Trey Lance isn't the guy, which he's not. Uh, if you can't look good in Kyle Shanahan's offense, you're really bad. Uh, and I think Trey Lance is really bad. The guy has zero accuracy. I mean, I think this team wins 12, 12 games this year if they have Mac Jones. It was a huge mistake. I think that. I think that they truly made that trade up to get Mac Jones and then they got cold feet because people were starting to question like, wait, you're seriously going to get Mac Jones? Uh, Some of his tweets from when he was in like eighth grade came out where he's dressing like Barack Obama and all this shit. Like, I think they got cold feet. They made the wrong decision. Mac Jones is going to be a really good player. I don't even know if Trey Lance is a starter. Uh, The 49ers, though, I mean, in in, in the playoffs, and we're going to do a playoff preview later this week, uh, they can play spoiler. This is a team that I think could, could... 
absolutely scheme their way with Kyle Shanahan's genius, and I do think he's a, such a good coach. They could, they could, I could see them in the FC Championship. Three point dogs this weekend. Who do you like? Who you taking well, against Dallas? We'll, we'll talk no. about that later in the week for sure. But uh, Cards lose to the Seahawks, um, and that's uh, doesn't really mean anything for the Cards. Although I think they, they dropped no, no, no. a seed. So, so, so uh, with the Rams' loss, if they, the Cardinals had won, they would have won the division. Oh. Same game, different stadium. Wow. So, Cards, man, terrible end of this season. Uh, and I, 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 I don't believe in this team at all. The Seahawks, I think, turned it on just enough to not fire Pete Carroll, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, we, we're talking Black Monday, and, and a lot of Seahawks fans have to be bummed because – Pete Carroll, it's a fucking embarrassment. That guy needs to go. He's terrible. For me, that game kind of felt like, like the play for like play for them. Kind of like Pittsburgh had a play for Benny's last two games. Like say goodbye. Like we're, I think we're highly light, likely looking at the like the last few games of the Carroll Russell Wilson tenure. So a lot of different other things going on. But yeah, bad loss by them. Good for Seattle for their win. Um, I mean, I, I think. If you're gonna, if you were actually gonna move on from Pete Carroll, I think you got to say bye to Schneider too. Their their GM because well, the, that roster is not good outside of Russell Wilson, and that has played a big part in in why this team is not that great. Well, yeah, see, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that getting rid they're getting rid of Carroll. I'm just saying like that tandem, like you know, they've been a tandem for a while. Like anytime you start getting a decade with each other, it's you know, mm-hmm. you start getting in like the historical aspects, all that. I mean, stuff. there's still talk of Russell Wilson eventually being traded, which could happen this offseason. So, it, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like their last games and potentially like Russ's last game. So like mm-hmm. it brings like the, the those motivation factors to like the team. Let's let's win it for him. You know, kind of. Yeah. I yeah. do love division games in the playoffs. The Cards Rams game is going to be lit. It's really stupid that's on Monday. I don't know what the fuck the NFL is doing with that. Give us exactly what you gave us last last year, which is two two days of three games. That was fucking amazing last year for Wild Card Week. They decided to tweak it this year, and I think it's a mistake. But the Seahawks, Rashad Penny, holy shit, he came on at the end of the year. I think he had like. 400 yard games of the last five games. I mean, he was a fucking fantasy monster. Uh, certainly won me a fantasy a fantasy championship this year. He, he uh, won me a little money too. I mean, they they bring back Chris Carson next year. They still have Rashad Penny. I believe it's his third or fourth year. Uh, so they got the running backs. It's just the problem is they don't have anything else. The Seahawks are a mess, and they don't even have a first round pick just next year. Build up the offensive line. Rashad, yeah. up the offensive. Rashad line. Penny is on his last year, so like it was the following year that would have been his um, fifth year first round. Ex- uh, but they didn't option. pick up his option. But, but they didn't. So he's in a contract. Oh, year. so he's a he's a free agent. Well, so it's he's. They, you have next to do year, it. Next, next year will be his okay. last. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you have no. to do it. You have to do it a year ahead. Yeah, you know, pending run, all that. Run them into the ground. I mean, to, they're to. going to. Chris Carson is really good, and they extended him and have Chris Carson for a while. But Carson can't stay healthy. He's in no. so injured. Yeah. But either can Penny. <laughs> right. The, well, the, the thing is, so at least this is what they said. Uh, rumor has it that the reason that they drafted Rashad Penny in the first round is because of his his uh, history of health. He had been so healthy. Uh, throughout his entire oh, but, college but, career, but he was also like twenty pounds lighter in college. Like he just ballooned. And he played it like a like Arizona State or no, where, San Diego like, State, San Marshall Falk, yeah, horrible. So man. like, so like you're playing against much lower competition. But he was also like one ninety, and now he's like two thirty. Like he put on twenty years as a rookie, twenty pounds as a rookie. Yep, he's he's. I mean, he's just not good. The guy, the guy doesn't seem like he really wants to play football all that much, and he just goes out with these weird injuries all the time. Uh, it's this, the fucking Seahawks are a mess. I, 
I know they're not going to entertain trades for Russell Wilson, but they probably should. This is a team that's going to be in a rebuild for several years. Uh, they're bad, and they're going to roll with Pete Carroll, as we know, because he was not at one of the Black Friday um, or Black Monday announcements today. And I think that's a huge mistake for Seattle because I watched so many Seahawks games. They, they had quite a few primetime games this year uh, and watched them on the red zone. Every time that team should pass, they run. They Talk talk about a, an over-conservative coach that needs to embrace analytics a little bit more. Like, what the fuck? You have Russell Wilson. They they, pat, they run so often. It's the most... It's it's the most fucking predictable play too. It's like right up the center. It's not even like a like an interesting play. Right up their terrible offensive line. Like so Pete Carroll is awful. So you know how they get, you have like a senile old man that like keeps replaying like parts of his history in his brain over and over. Pete think, Carroll. Yeah. Do you think it's kind of happening? Like I should have ran Marshawn, so I'm gonna run it he right probably, now. Probably. He, <laughs> he is the oldest coach in the NFL. Third so. and nineteen. You know what? Let's just run dive. Run it up the gut. It's, yep. <laughs> it's it's pretty ridiculous. But yeah, the, the Seahawks are a mess. I think the Cardinals are a dumpster fire. I think they're gonna get blown out by the Rams next week. But we'll see. Well, thanks to the Rams losing this week um, and the Bucks. Uh, securing the victory there for against Carolina, they they move up to the two seed, um, pumped. pumped, yeah. So they get to host you know two playoff games potentially and uh, possibly a third. We'll see what happens. Um, but you know the, the the most important thing for the Bucks uh, on Sunday was that you know for the most part they stayed healthy and Rob Gronkowski hit all of his uh, incentives. Yes. Did, did you guys see that clip of Brady? Uh, so it was, uh, it was like the final drive of like Rob's uh, incentives, all that. Yeah, Rob it, needed one more catch, and, and they were thumping it, and they got the turnover. And Brady's like running on the field, he's like, "No, you're out." He goes like, "No, I'm fucking not." Yep. He's like, "We're getting, we're getting it for like two passes." The Gronk got off the field, done. Yeah, this this whole man AB and and some more things happen. We talk about AB a lot next week. I'm gonna just say a few more things. He went on over the weekend uh, on a. Uh, it's called what is it? I don't, I don't know. It's, whatever. Whatever the podcast is, rips into Brady. Like, out of everything that's happened to Brady, you want to know one thing that's never happened to Brady? He's never had a fucking former teammate shit on him. Everybody would kill to play for Brady. The The fact is, AB isn't never even gets another shot in the NFL without Brady last year. Straight up. Yeah. AB, after that eight-week eight suspension, he was nobody wanted to touch him. And the dude had assaulted multiple people, including a woman, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this guy's career should have been done. But Tom Brady, out of the goodness of his heart, brought in a good player. By the way, a good player, not a friend. And, and Antonio Brown lamented the fact that, oh, he brought me in because he thought I could play. Yeah, dude. Nope. Have you met yourself? Nobody wants to bring you in as a friend. Like, how, how little self-awareness does Antonio Brown have to shit on the only guy that was ever going to give him a chance. That guy, we talked about last week, he's done. He is so done now. No team will touch that guy. Well, well you, know, it's, you know, it's funny, like, kind of like, you know, getting Gronk those numbers this year. He did that for AB last year. Yeah. He, he literally force-fed him the ball at the end when they had it wrapped up, and guess what? He would have done it again this year. It's everything. And then, and then he would have went to the playoffs, probably got another Super Bowl ring, and then Antonio Brown would have gotten a huge contract with another team this yeah. year. By the way, if he could have gotten a, a huge contract with another team this year, would he would have gotten it. Because yeah. guess what? He was the last of the Bucks roster to sign. Yeah. And, and guess why? Because he was definitely looking for another contract. So he's like, why do I have to be on a prove-it deal? Why do you have to be on a prove-it deal? Because you're a fucking asshole, dude. Yeah. Nobody yeah. likes you're you. just an asshole. Nobody likes you. Yeah. He, Drew Rosenhaus. 
Dropped him as a client. Drew fucking Rosenhaus. <laughs> Say it for the people in the back. The problem wide receiver agent, the guy that's known for taking on the biggest assholes in the league, dropped him as a client and literally just said, I, I can't do this anymore. Drew Rosenhaus. So so you want to talk about like things that kind of like weirdly line up properly and like so unbelievably perfect. So we have the thing with AB and his ankle injury, all that. And then we have T.O., uh, he's like, I'll come fucking play. Like, I'll do this. Same agent too, right? <laughs> so, mean. Meanwhile, I'm up early one morning and I'm watching. Uh, so I've been watching the Man in the Arena. Fucking fantastic, fucking fantastic. And it was in the middle of all this. It's highlighting the Super Bowl, Philly and New England, where Tio breaks his fucking ankle a week before the Super Bowl, and he's like, "Give me, I'll do whatever I have to do." I'm fucking Had a playing. great game. Yeah, like ten. Badass. Like was like. Nine for one fifty or whatever, but he's like, I'm playing for everybody. Like, it's it yeah. was all so like perfectly intertwined. It was, you know, it gives you kind of chills, but you laugh. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. But yep. Gronk on hitting his incentives, uh, hitting incentives is cool, and the Buccaneers are a great organization, putting me in a position to hit those incentives. Yeah, it's not even like AB's expense incentives were that expensive. If AB thinks it was some sort of fucking. If, if if AB thinks that the Bucks wouldn't rather have a weapon like him in the playoffs and pay his incentives, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, he's just the guy's just so dumb. We don't need to talk about him any anymore. New England, actually, no, we're going to talk one more. Uh, the Titans win, get the number one seed. So Kansas City officially at number two. The fact that the Titans pulled off a number one seed, uh, dude, with Vrabel, as many injuries as they had, I got to say, I, I doubted Vrabel greatly as a coach. I thought he was kind of gimmicky. You know, I thought he was just one of these former players who was kind of be given a shot and really hadn't done much as a coach to deserve that shot. He's a great fucking coach. The only successful Belichick uh, assistant. Yeah, he's he's a great coach. The guy's a great guy, and I think we might be seeing that dick come straight off this year. <laughs> um, it's going to come off. When, when you start talking like body of work, and it's... it's for the body dickless. Body, the dickless body of work. When you kind of like look at the Titans as like a whole... You have to like really break it down back to week one and everything, and then like not just the injuries and everything that they've overcome. Look at those fucking wins! Like they've they've fucking played some football, and for and for the lack of offensive weapons that they've had for injuries, everyone being out, and Matt Lafleur praise you, but like, Vrabel hat is it is it Vrabel for coach of the year this year? Like. It's, I, it's impressive. I think, I think he's deserving of it. When you get that team to the number one seed with as many injuries as you have, Julio Jones missing significant amount of time, really didn't do shit all year. A.J. Brown missing significant amounts of time. Derrick Henry missing significant amounts of time. Um, that defense is not anything special, but they play up for him. Um, and then, I mean, you just look at it, and it's like they find a way. Tannehill has, like, five interception games, and they still find ways. Like, they, they get the job done. They play hard for their coach. I think he's a master motivator there, and that's a good and that's a main reason for it. Um, yeah, so. So, yeah, the, the Titans, I can't say enough about that team, but, man, New England loses to Miami. They get swept by Miami. They, they got beat by him week one. It's been yep. a really long time since the last uh, matchup. So shout out to Brian Flores. He got a huge extension after beating New England, which I assumed is the reason that you bring in a coach if you're Miami to beat the best team in your division, to beat the greatest coach for the Patriots. So I haven't been reading the papers. I didn't even open my phone today. I assume Brian Flores is going to be there, a 10-year extension, I'm assuming. 
Um, but New England loses to Miami, so the Bills will officially get the the three seed. Yep. And Miami, for years to come, is gonna gonna have Brian Flores, and the future is bright for for Miami and Brian Flores. And great coach, and he's a great coach, and I, I really think Miami could be a contender next year with Brian Flores. <laughs> wait, wait, uh, breaking news. Is there some? Oh, uh, tell, the Dolphins. Fired. Oh, the Dolphins fired Brian Flores. Okay, yeah. but 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 wait, there's more. They're gonna keep Chris 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 Greer. Their Chris GM. Greer, who from what I can see, the only thing this guy's ever done is drafted Jalen Waddle, who kind of jury's still out on the guy. He just kind of got force fed some balls. He looks like a really good player, but other than that, he's drafted a whole slew of terrible offensive linemen. He drafted Tua over Herbert. Anybody should be fucking fired for that. Imagine the Dolphins right now with Justin Herbert. Uh, this guy is a train wreck, but ownership for some reason, because there's a rift between Flores and Tua. And I, I think, I, I'm going to talk about this in a second. I think Tua is low-key a bitch. I, I, think, I think behind the scenes, Tua is a bitch. And like, Flores and Greer. Yep, and Greer. So, so because Flores doesn't get along with Greer, who's a terrible GM, who could get along with him, who, who sticks him with Tua the ugly left-handed quarterback who nobody wants to actually watch throw a pass. They fire him to coddle their quarterback and keep their GM, who's done nothing for this team. I can't express that enough. He's done nothing for this team. What the fuck were the Dolphins thinking? And why is Brian Flores going to be the coach of the Vikings next year? So a few years ago, I wrote this article about how the Miami Dolphins are one of the worst organizations in football. And I think that still remains true today. They're awful. They, they finally got their guy. After, after, after so many years of Gase, the hell that, that Gase put them through, and then who do they have even prior to Gase? Like, and then, uh, Tony Sperano. And how long um, did they hang on to Gase, by the way, who did nothing year after year after year? They held on to him as, as he continued to regress with Tannehill and just make Tannehill worse and bring in just these awful rosters year after year and never assembled a team. You think, you think fucking Gase ever scraped a an eight-game winning streak, which is what the Dolphins... How do you fire a coach after an eight-game winning streak to close out a season? He, he won, like, nine of ten, not, including sweeping the Patriots. That's <laughs> fucking absurd. This team started out one and seven because they're not that great of a football team because they have two at quarterback. They're, they're fucking not. And, like, going back to, like, Flores' first year, dude, they were playing the Jets, and, like, they were dog shit. Like, we, they, we knew that they were fucking bad. And Flores is getting ready to fight the refs for them trying to cheat him out of it. I'm like, this is my type of coach. If five and eleven, I'm like, he should be in consideration. Then last year with that fucking team, they go ten and six, and he's not a coach of the year. He should have been coach of the year last year. Yep. And I can argue even with what Vrabel has done, he should Brian Flores should be in that conversation once a fucking again. Like yeah. I, I love everything about like the mentality, the attitude, working with what you got. Like they've only had like. Probably two games in the last three years that they kind of got like embarrassed, but they don't even have the talent to like kind of compensate. But here's the thing: this is actually great for Brian Flores I'm because he's going to get paid by the Dolphins uh, for the buyout on his contract, right? 
And then he's going to wind up in a, in probably maybe a better situation. He's probably going to get another head coaching I, job. I, I fucking I love Brian Flores. I, I can't say enough good shit about him. But and and you're right. The Miami's GM like they definitely fucked up. Like they they've caught a break uh, with the Tunzel trade. You know, like moving and dealing like everything there. Like you got you guys can look up the stats on like all the first round picks. They shouldn't have given up what they did to move up for Waddle at that spot. Gave up another first rounder next year, but they're still loaded. Brian Flores. Wherever you go, that fucking team is going to be lucky and blessed. Like, yeah. it's going to be amazing. How much better has that defense performed than they actually are good under Brian Flores? Like, they've been a really good defense the entire thing. And by the way, first season he came in, this is the first the first year we actually started this podcast. We all said, beginning of the year, worst roster, one of the worst rosters I've ever seen. Like, it's, it's like Houston bad this year. Terrible. Nobody... I mean, I don't even remember who was starting at quarterback. They scraped together five wins. They win 10 last year, narrowly missed the playoffs. It, it was actually fucking a ro- robbery that they missed the playoffs last year at 10 and 6, considering some nine win teams made it in the NFC. Then they win nine. They have another w- two back to back winning seasons after just, I'm looking over at these records that Gase put together and holy fucking shit. Like, this organization is trash and they didn't deserve Brian Flores and Brian Flores is going to be so much better off. It, he, he really is, because you know what? You talk about like a guy that like brings like the chip on your shoulder. They, they signed Kyle Vinoy to the $15 million deal, which I said was bullshit, way too much. He's not that good. They had to cut him because he was so bad. Goes After back to, one year. Yeah, he's this GM is terrible. Yep. Brian Flores is that fucking good. I I sure wish he'd be in Pittsburgh. I'd be I'd be happy as hell. He because he's just an asshole. Like, but like, guess what? In football, you need an asshole. Like, no no bullshit. And maybe that's where the the power struggle, quote unquote, is. He, he he's not dealing with bullshit. You fucking play or you're gone. It's easy. Like, he, he brings it. That. He brings in Will Fuller, who plays like one game this year and yep. pays him a shitload of money after fucking failing drug tests. And never even being able to stay on the field for health wise goes out like a bitch with a finger injury this year. And that, if, if you can hear it in my voice, I had him on my fantasy team and actually was <laughs> kind of buying into him being pretty decent this year. But this GM, what has he done to to do this? I mean, you, you have a coach that just had back to back winning seasons, drafted under shitty really organization. poorly, he drafted really poorly, drafts horribly, and he's been trying to build this offensive line, keeps drafting duds. It's. It, I can't say enough how embarrassing this is for the Dolphins, and the sports world has erupted in unison today and called out what a fucking shitty decision this it, is. It's, it's going to haunt good, them for years. It's a good thing they traded Laramie Tunsil and uh, uh, Fit, uh, Fitzpatrick, right? Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. those guys aren't any good. And 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 they they had they had everything ready. Like they were gifted, like the potential. Like they were for me, like they're one of my weird dark horses. I liked what they had going forward. They're kind of handing it away like the 49ers. Um if if Minnesota which they should hire Flores yesterday. Like he should already be hired. And he's gonna be the most coveted coach right now. Obviously there's gonna be teams waiting because they want to like interview some of the current coaches that are still in the playoffs. Flores should be hired yesterday. Minnesota, Chicago, both of them should be all over him. Because that's that's he's a fucking winner. He's going to get it done. So getting a little bit ahead of yourself there, but uh, what Marcus is alluding to there is that the Bears uh, fired Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and Ryan Pace, which is yeah. the best decision the Bears have made in quite some time, certainly. And, and, Pace and then the Vikings yes. fired Mike Zimmer and yes. Rick Spielman. Yeah. Yep. And then the Broncos fired Vic Fangio, which I think besides 
Forez was the only other coaching move that it didn't surprise me, but it was it, it was one of those things that was kind of on the fence. Nobody, it was a questionable. Yeah, yeah. it was questionable. Uh, I think it's the right move. Uh, Fangio is not a, a head coach in the league. He's a elite defensive coordinator, and he automatically becomes the number one defensive coordinator on the, on the map. Uh, I think all, all these head coaches that are out there being interviewed for positions. If you bring, if you call, if I'm any of these guys, I call Vic Fangio right now and be like, Dude, if I'm, I want if I'm you an to be offensive my guy, absolutely. Yep, I want you to be my guy. Uh, come in and, and, and be my guy. Um, and, and Spielman firing for the Vikings is, it actually shocked me. I, I, I don't agree with it. Give us your rant. Let's go. I, I don't agree with the Rick Spielman firing, but I do understand why they did it. Because Rick Spielman, this is a guy that drafted uh, Stephon Diggs in the fifth round. Uh, he drafted uh, Daniel Hunter in the third. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I think, was the third wide receiver, maybe second. I mean, they, I think he was the third wide receiver taken off the board in the draft that he did. He's had so many late-round steals in his career, uh, including Adam Thielen, who wasn't even drafted. He brings up all the practice squad, becomes a top 15 wide receiver, still is. Uh, this is a guy who he's drafted, had great drafts over the course of his career. Mike Zimmer, is he's literally given him weapons, and then Mike Zimmer has just flat out refused to use him, including some a guard this year that they drafted, Wyatt Davis, who for some reason, Wyatt, uh, Zimmer refused to start him at guard all season long, despite the fact that Dozier is absolutely fucking horrible. Uh, Mike Zimmer has gotten the weapons from Rick Spielman. He just didn't use them. But the one thing that Rick Spielman did fail to do is he didn't. He never brought in the quarterback. Think about it. Sam, his, he started out his career drafting Christian Ponder. And oh. then he didn't get another chance to draft a guy until Teddy Bridgewater. And you could argue they made the wrong decision by drafting Teddy Bridgewater over Derek, Hen, over Derek Carr in that draft. Uh, and then... He drafts Kellen Mond. So, and then he signs Kirk Cousin to a unreasonable deal. So that is, in the end, from what I'm reading, why the Vikings decided to let go of Spielman. Because out of all the great things that he did, the one thing he never did is put a quarterback on the field and, that and can win him games. So you, the, um, the GM is, I think, not think, it's one of the most underrated, like under-examined or evaluated, but like, like the general whatever. Um, you talk about this. Guess what? He brought in... Zimmer, Zimmer. Right? So yeah. he and, yep. and get and he, sometimes you just need the overhaul, whatever for good yep. or bad, whatever. For, I'm kind of like in a similar boat in Pittsburgh, man. Obviously Ben's leaving, who's preceded Tomlin, but Colbert, dude, Colbert, Colbert stepping down. He, I, he was gonna step down last year. That's beyond huge, like for the good. Did he announced that he's doing that. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's done. He was he was on the fence going into last year, but he he's he's done after the draft. So yeah, he's he's gone. That's a guy who was there. Coward tenure, like in the 2000, 2001, he actually helped draft everything, like the building blocks of Pittsburgh. But that's just the the thing that you don't think about, I guess, or see, like, directly. So like, you can see it indirectly, like, after they play. Like, you don't see it on the field, so you don't think about the GM and what they do and how they do it. Kind of going back to uh, the trades with San Francisco, building the team. Like, the the off the, the shit you don't see, that's almost as important. It's not as important as the on-the-field play but it translates to it. Like, it's it's the foundation of it. Yeah. So I get it. And may, maybe they want the next head coach to have a say in who the GM is. So I think they're kind of keeping their op- options open. I mean, I've been pretty vocal. I, I think that we can't take guys like even McDaniels off the table um, if they hand that guy the GM reins. They're fucking idiots because we saw what he did with it with the Broncos. But uh, I, 
I'm open to it. They, they cleaned house, but the Bears firing Ryan Pace, the fact that that didn't happen years ago, I mean, this guy is atrocious. The, guy, he, the funny thing about Ryan Pace, though, as horrible as he's been, last couple drafts, killed it. Last two drafts of the Bears, if you look at the guys they've gotten, I think they got Roquan, or was Roquan three years ago? Uh, it's definitely not within so the he, last two. He, he brought in Roquan Smith, who's fucking ridiculously good. Right. Uh, they, he brought in some good guys, and the last two drafts have been Jaylen, ridiculous. Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney, uh, Khalil Herbert, yep. Justin Fields, obviously. Their, uh, their future tackle in, um, what's his name? Uh, but the biggest thing Ryan, Te- Tevin, Ryan Tevin Pace Jenkins, did yeah. is he held on to Matt Nagy for one season too long. I mean... Matt Nagy should have been fired after last year. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it, it was embarrassing. They, they should have had a fresh start. Ryan Pace, I think, could have saved his job if they would have brought in another guy this year. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, the Bears and the Vikings become some interesting openings. You know you know what the best uh, non-coaching carousel move was this offseason? And, you know, we talk about it all the time, and you just, just brought it up. Some people are just fantastic coordinators. That is fucking okay to be a great defensive coordinator. You don't need the head coaching job. So Jacksonville, like in their uh, uh, interview process that they're looking for their new head coach, Dan Quinn was one of the people oh they were God. they were going to interview. He declined it. Yep. Own, own what you do. You're. It's okay to be a fantastic coordinator. What he's done in Dallas, you, you know, he had some moments, but like he's just some people just. That it's all right. I have no doubt the Jags are going to make the wrong choice. Uh, <laughs> get, get, guess who else is being tossed around for, for their head coaching job? Bill O'Brien. I, no, oh, actually, a coordinator. So, yeah, I saw. I saw that they were they were considering bringing him or um, Jay Gruden uh, in yeah. as the offensive coordinator. I don't mind Jay Gruden as an offensive coordinator. Jay Gruden was their offensive coordinator last year. So, so one thing I will say when it comes to, like, Bill O'Brien – and obviously, we have our th- thoughts. If he maybe is not as bad of a head, just not the GM spot. Don't give him the GM yeah. spot because you know we're pulling it up because that's that's all we he think about. He actually did a re- had a really good record when when we think Houston. when we think about Bill O'Brien. It's like what the fuck you trashed Houston, right? But like as a head coach, he won he won that South four times in six years. Yeah. No, I think what he did at the end of his Houston tenure, like it's. I, I know you can't blame him as, as GM, but I'm blaming him as GM because those moves were atrocious. He, sh- he should not be a GM. What I'm saying is maybe just as a head coach isn't that terrible of a thought. Like, remember, he did rebuild 10 Penn if State. I, if he, I can get him as my offensive coordinator, though, I'll take well, that. Well, yeah, that that for sure. For sure, he's definitely more of the coordinator spot. But, like, yeah. it's also, like, all we think about is how he failed, but it was a lot of it was as a GM, so... It, it's probably the wrong move. Uh, offense coordinator, thousand percent. He did fantastic. Yeah. That's where he's. Uh, it's he's home base there. But what, maybe as a head, how, how do you have an offensive coordinator lined up before you have a, a coach lined up? If you're the Jags, like you got to figure that out first. You, you can't. You have. You have you to go head coach. You can't, you can't hamstring your your head coach with an offensive coordinator. No. What if he doesn't want him? You yeah. know, I, I I it might not be the wrong one, but he he could just be a stick at coordinator type of guy, but. It's 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 so hard to separate him as a head coach from him as a GM because he had that power which he shouldn't have had. So uh, the biggest notable miss from from Black Monday besides Pete Carroll, who we already talked about, is Joe Judge. <sighs> this guy is so fucking bad, and and this is just it's so Giants. Uh, John Mar he, he might be the worst owner in the league, um, just straight up. Besides, I, I I don't I actually don't know who's worse. He he might straight up be the worst owner in the league. Um, 
holy fucking shit, Joe Judge is bad. They, they're, <laughs> a, 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 an image went viral last week of him doing a QB sneak on third and eight on their four-yard line. A QB sneak with, uh, with a fucking kneel-down formation. It looked like a, what is that, the wing tee? It's 10 wedge. Yes. It's it, the, the play's called 10 wedge. It is so, <laughs> like, dude, this guy is is just absolutely, whatever potential Daniel Jones is, this guy's not giving him a fucking chance. Uh, this is another bad Bill Belichick tree hire. Um, special teams coordinator, I know sometimes that works out. This guy's an idiot. It actually I mean, almost always works out, except for this time. Remember, <laughs> remember when... At the beginning of the year when Giants players were just opting to retire rather yes. than to play another down for the Giants. Like, that should have been a huge red flag for them right out the gate. It was for me. It's It was fucking huge. Yeah. And Joe Judge, is, he, he's a clown. And, yeah. and, and by the way, this clown called Washington a franchise of clowns last week. Mm. And then he goes out this week and loses to those clowns. And then he still doesn't get fired. Clown or- organization. Joe Judge is a fucking clown. So, so Dave Gettleman... "Quote unquote retired." Yep. Um, so there, I don't know if that was him actually choosing to retire because it's a it's a house in fire, or if he got pushed out the door. Whatever happened there, um, I don't think it was just him really deciding to retire uh, because he was done with football. But regardless, um, what makes you think he did? The Giants are so terrible. I don't think they forced him out. It's it the right move for them to force him out. But the fact that they, I, I wouldn't doubt it for a second if they m- didn't. Maybe. It, but if you're the if you're the new GM that gets hired, yeah, you you better have the stipulation of there's no judge, yeah. Joe Judge. And yeah. also, like, by the way, it wasn't just that sneak on third and nine; it was second and ten, and they two back to back quarterback sneaks. Yeah, they're they're fucking idiots. It's, and yeah. Joe, Joe Judge, he, we we talked about this pod, and it's become a recurring motif. He's one of these conservative guys, and dude, this guy's never going to cut it. Like he, he's he was thirty nine years old when they hired, or, or thirty eight years old when they hired him. And they were trying to do one of these splash young guy hires. He's a 38-year-old who thinks like he's 72. Yeah. Like, get rid of this guy. You're, the Giants are just so if, bad. If I, was a, if I was a Giants fan at that fucking game, I would want my money back. Oh, yeah. That yeah. that was so disgustingly Well, well they gave out free soda. Yeah, a free medium soda. This <laughs> yeah. is, this is not even a large. It's the worst organization, <laughs> I think, in the NFL right now. They're, they're but, so fucking bad. But, but also, if you're going to be a coach who is not a coordinator, he doesn't have a say in the offense, he doesn't have a say in the defense, right? Then you have to have the rest of the ship better be tight, right? Everything needs to run very, very smoothly. You can't have any issues anywhere. And they have issues everywhere. Yes. So clearly he's not doing what he's supposed to doing. Is he a culture guy? Because there's there's a bad culture there. Is, uh, is he a disciplinarian? Because they have the poor discipline. So, I mean, like, I just don't understand for what reason you're keeping this guy and uh, honestly, like, maybe it's time to move on from Daniel Jones, but give the guy a chance, baby, because it's not Joe Judge. No, I don't judge. I don't judge Daniel Jones until I see him without Judge. Uh, because <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't judge Daniel Jones until I see him without Judge straight up uh, because they bring in Galladay worse Oh my god! Worst free agent signing in in forever. They, this guy is so fucking bad. He, he was he made like five hundred thousand dollars per catch this year. So uh, <laughs> they used the first round draft pick on a wide receiver in Kadarius Tony, and they made Kenny Kenny Galladay the highest paid wide receiver in free agency by spending seventy two million dollars over four years. Horrible. It, it, neither, it, neither player scored a touchdown this season. Yeah, I mean, some of the rookie things, you can get it. It was still a bad so pick at the bad. time, regardless of his performance. Like, you, you can at least get it. You know, I said it from Galladay from the beginning. Like, cool. Like, dude had, like, three games in his 
three, four years that were like good, but like it's it's just not like the guy to be paying he twenty million dollars. He didn't make sense in. He's not a good pairing for Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is more of a I, the guy has to be open, and Kenny Galladay is a contested catch thrower, yes. so a con- contested catch like guy. So unless you tell Daniel Jones like I don't care if he's covered, throw it to him anyway in the end zone, then you know you're not going to get get the most productive Kenny Galladay that you're going to be able to get right. So, so it was just, it's a bad fit. Like, it's a bad analysis. It goes back to the GM. Um, you you need to factor in those kinds of things. I mean, they did salvage at least one thing. They did trade back. Um, they traded uh, the pick to the Bears for, just that turned out to be Justin Fields. So, I mean, they have an extra pick, the next GM, I guess, but... Yeah, this, this Giants are a fucking train wreck. I can't, I can't believe we're not talking about them right now. But out of all these openings, uh, rank them. Best, best to worst. I'll start. I think the Vikings are the are the, are the best opening. I, I actually don't even think it's really close. Uh, it for for a lot of reasons. Number one, the culture that the Vikings instilled, the fact that they kept Zimmer for as long as they did, that's got to be enticing for guys like Forez. Because the one thing the Vikings are going to do, they're kind of like the Steelers. They haven't found the coaches that the Steelers have to keep them around for as long as the Steelers have. But they keep their coaches for a long time, and the Vikings are a team with great culture. And if I look at all these other teams, the only team that even comes close culture-wise is the Broncos. And I think the Broncos are just so far off from being contenders. They have a lot of good pieces on the on the defense, but they're so many so many players on the are needed on the offense uh, that I just don't think the Broncos are all that close. And the Vikings, what they have is they have two tradable assets in Daniil Hunter and Kirk Cousins. I truly believe Kirk Cousins gets dealt this offseason because there's so many good teams that still don't have good quarterbacks, the Broncos being one of them that could potentially make a play for Kirk Cousins in the offseason. Um, but I just, I, I, I don't see, and I think if you come in with the Vikings, you know that you're in a rebuild. And so I think guys like Flores, they can build a good defense, hard nose, which is what the Vikings are known for. And the best thing about the Vikings, brand new stadium and probably the best practice facilities in the entire country, uh, state-of-the-art facilities. So a lot going on for the Vikings. A close second, I'm going to go the Broncos. And again, it's, it's because of the culture. The Broncos are a winning organization as opposed to these other three that I'm going to name. Um, and they do. They got a lot of talent. Uh, I, I think Judy's going to be a really good wide receiver. Drew Locke's not the answer, but they. I think they have Teddy for another year. So the Broncos can be good. They can be competitive next year like the Vikings. Um, and then uh, I'm going to go after that. I'll go Jags, then Dolphins, and then Bears dead last. I rank them dead last simply because that organization is trash. And whatever GM they're going to bring in, it's going to be a Ryan Pace look alike, I have a feeling. And that's their organization. I mean, the greatest quarterback in that organization, there's just a stink about him. Greatest quarterback in that franchise history is Jay Cutler, and it's actually not even close. Another thing about the Bears, their stadium sucks. It's a piece of shit, and there's really no prospects of them getting a better stadium anytime soon. I thought there was some sort of negotiation to to build a new stadium. Uh it's, so, there, there, there's talks of it, but um, they, okay. it, there's tons of red tape in building in Chicago. It's it's going to be really tough. So I'm, I'm actually just very happy that I still got to see the old the old Soldier Field before yeah. before the new one. comes. It's a piece of shit, but it's it's a badass. It's, I mean, it's a badass historical stadium, when, but when, it's crumbling. When you, when you when you do that walk, it's like like that's what I love about the old ones, and I can't wait for Sunday. Like feel, feeling the history is so important when you like. Oh, you it's know, a, it's historic. Fan. It's just it's a losing franchise. That that's why I can't. But I. 
Dude, the Bears, you got to give them credit. They have Justin Fields, Roquan Smith on defense. They have some really good building blocks. So uh, the right coach could come in there and, and start winning next year. So I do agree that the Vikings are the number one option, but I think it's a little bit different if I'm looking at it from a perspective of if I'm heading in there, right? I'm not heading in there and, and expecting a rebuild, and I'm not willing to go there if that's what they're trying to do. Um, I think Kirk Cousins is a decent enough quarterback that you can get to a playoff and, and maybe build the, you know, have him for now and then, you know, draft his successor, develop him. It's not Kellen Mond, obviously, as we nope. said from the day one, uh, as soon as that pick was made. Um, but this this roster has a lot of pieces that you can work with, right? You've got Justin Jefferson, you've got Thielen, you've got KJ Osborne look really good. You've got Delvin Cook still, you've got, you know, so Tyler Conklin, and then you've got, you know, the makings of some, some decent offensive linemen go in there. You've got a good defensive line. You just need someone that really can put it together. Um, so if I'm, I think that is the best job because it is a job that I can win with really quickly. Um, Second for me is the Bears, and this is because the only team on this list that actually has a quarterback of the future is the Bears, and that is that makes that job really appealing to me. I also, we talked about it, they have some other good pieces in that roster. Obviously, there's some other stuff going on that you're going to have to worry about, but if you can actually get the Bears to be good, you will be beloved in Chicago forever. True. All you have to do is ask the guy, Mike Ditka, right? Um, third for me is the Broncos. Yeah. Third for me is the Broncos um, because I think that this roster is actually pretty decent. I think that they are kind of a quarterback away, and it is a, a culture that they do win at all the time. Um, fourth for me is the Jags because you have the number one pick. And then you have J- Trevor Lawrence, right? That's really all you've got, though, and you've kind of got a clean slate there. And then last for me is the Dolphins, because as mentioned, what the fuck are they doing with Chris Greer still as their GM? True. Uh, you have Tua. Like, you have to deal with all the issues that they have going on there. And the best part about that team was Brian Flores, and he's gone. So, I mean, I have to be really, really egotistical to go in there and think I'm going to be able to win with that. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm actually kind of like... For me, Jags are still last. Like they're just the last as far as like. So who talent. wants to go to Jacksonville? Yeah, no, no one, no one does. So like, but so, I get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, so they, they they do have some very good things. High high salary cap, all that. Uh, Miami would be a hands down, no question, number one without the GM. So like, Miami still seventy five million dollars cap next year. By the way. Um, so the, yeah, but do I trust that GM to get well, good players? Well, that, that, that's what, that's what I'm saying without the GM. So for me, the, he is the GM though. Well, yeah. And I, well, now I know, but I'm talking about head coaching spots. If, if, it, if they got rid of the GM, like they did in Chicago pace, if, if that was that situation, it's no question in the world. Miami is easy. Number one. Right. So the reason that I'm not going to say Minnesota, number one is just because they have the pieces. They have some obviously fantastic young talent, but they also have like the aging pieces. They have they have some work to do, and right now they're negative eleven million dollars cap. So the two pieces for me right now it has to be Chicago is number one, and and actually Denver is kind of a close two. So just pulling up right now, uh, Denver's got a few more under contract, but both are uh, 11, 10, 40, 45 million dollars cap is what they have going forward with some staple young foundational pieces that you don't have to pay now Miami could make it up without the GM stuff but I'm still a huge believer in Justin Fields and what they can be and can do and if you have you have the solid defense you have the money to kind of compensate for that uh yeah for you know for Minnesota obviously has the ability and options to kind of mold that negative 11 million dollars we see how all that stuff goes 
So they have the potential, both Denver, Denver and um, Chicago both have gotten rid of some of the older pieces. We just saw Von Miller leave, right? So you get extra draft capital with that. So potentially going forward, for me, they're 1A, 1B. I put you know, Minnesota at 3. Jacksonville still last because they have a lot of work to do. They have the quarterback, and that's it. See, if, I, if I'm a coach, though, I, I, gotta, I look at the culture's got to be number one because if you look at these teams, especially ownership, and that's the problem with the Bears, their ownership sucks. Um, there's a lot of reluctance to spend money, and this, I'm telling you, there's just a stink on this franchise. And, and for me, if, if, if I'm a coach, I look at the team that's never won it. You talk about if you win in the Bears, you'll be a legend. If you win with the Vikings, you're a legend forever. forever. And this is, the, there's no question about it, the Vikings are the greatest team to never win a Super Bowl. They have the fifth highest winning percentage in the Super Bowl era. Fifth. And they've never won a Super Bowl. That's fucking insane. This is a, a winning organization that has the facilities, and that's why I put the Vikings ahead of them. But you guys make great points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there, there's always like a right, like a right and a wrong, right? It's, so like you can, we can always put points out like, oh shit, I didn't look at it or think of it that way. So I'd be like, if I'm a coach, like the, the only place I don't want to go is actually Miami, you know, with a GM and Jacksonville. Just outside of that, like all three of those places have the potential, right? They have the foundation, they have the spots. So kind of what you can work with them and, you know, Going forward, th- those are three solid spots. But, I'll, but I'll... for a team with a head coaching vacancy and a GM vacancy, right, there is a team right now that just won the Super Bowl that has a really qualified or a hot commodity at offense coordinator in Byron Leftwich. And then he also has a working relationship with uh, both of the the undercards to Jason Light for the Bucks, uh, Spy Tech and Greenberg, have who have really good reputations amongst the industry, those are potential uh, GM candidates, right? I could go tandem, grab one of those guys, grab Leftwich, set that up as my off uh, my GM, uh, you know, head coach combination. I think I'd be in good shape with that, especially at a place like Minnesota, where yeah, they already have a, the talent to run the system that they want to run. That, that that's that's different though. Like we're just talking like if you're a head coach, what's desirable, right? Sure. So yeah, yeah. so so we don't even need to no. Talk but about I was it. just throwing it out there as an interesting possibility for a team to go get. Well, yeah, yeah. That that's just a different conversation and topic. Like the, those are the places I'd want to. You know, if I'm if I'm offered right now, which I'm not going to be. Shame on you, coaches, uh, GMs for not or uh, owners for not hiring me, but. Uh, <laughs> but th- those are th- those where I would want to go for those openings if I was a potential candidate. Yeah, so it's interesting, and also the Raiders could be out there. Uh, I think they probably will. Um, but yep, some records were broke were, were broke this season. Um, but listen, guys, uh, we we did Black Monday. Uh, we recap the games. We're going to go ahead and shut this down. Go watch the national championship game. But any closing thoughts? Go Steelers, and um, I'm going to sick my brother after Jackson Mahomes on Sunday night. <laughs> I'm hoping for Georgia to pull this one out tonight. Some people are calling the uh, the Steelers game, the Steelers-Chiefs game, the uh, TikTok Bowl because of uh, Claypool. And, uh, is Claypool on TikTok? Is Juju going to be in attendance? Is Ju- <laughs> Juju and Jackson Mahomes going to do a dance on the sidelines? I sure hope so. <laughs> I hope so, too. That'd be quite the clown show. And we got 3-3 right now. Yep. Ooh, okay. All right. Well, go Georgia. Sports Memory Podcast is Drew Forbes, Newman, and Marcus shutting it down.